Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and we are recording this in April. It's April. I'm joined by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm great. Never been. Are you? Uh, yeah. That's good. You know, birds are chirping. Leaves birds are, are a chirping. Yeah. Um, Sunny, nice, not too hot, 70 degrees. The squirrels are frittering, doing whatever as they do. You know? There we go. It's springtime, baby. It's springtime, baby. It's spring football over at UCLA. Uh, spring football kicked off this week. Um, got to get our kickoffs back in, right? Because we've been saying things tipped off for a while. Tipped off. But now we're going to kick Don't off. sometimes during basketball, you'll yep. mistakenly say kickoff and then uh-huh. sometimes. Yeah. And then you're just like, I can't do that. My, yep. uh, my perfectionism won't allow it. Because we're perfectionists here, bro. <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah. Um, we got to talk about spring football. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, up top. And then we will get into some fun basketball recruiting, roster, uh, ruminations, uh, at the end there, I was thinking. Okay. I was trying to think of another R word, and it didn't come to me. So ruminations. Well, I had I had three in a row, but I wanted I wanted to keep going. But okay, you know, yeah, you like we don't that script whole this thing. We don't alliter- script this thing. alliterative kind of talk, don't you? I sure do. I sure do. Uh, <laughs> all right, but we got to start with uh, spring football. Um, we were both out there on Tuesday. Uh, Mike was out there yesterday, uh, watching a whole lot. Uh, there's there's a there's a lot. lot there's a lot to take in so much to take in um, we had uh, and not with always the best perspective on it well all right I'm not going to complain about this okay let's not complain getting getting up top at a lot eight I, I'm okay with it because we get to see so last year it wasn't as fun because we've seen a whole lot of Dorian Thompson Robinson we've seen a whole lot of Zach Charbonnet um, and you know scanning around the offensive line isn't very useful in the first week anyway so watching all that on the close field from lot eight it's kind of boring right because we've seen those guys a bunch but this year i mean i'm i'm locked in on that quarterback competition even when they're throwing against the stupid cage uh but you can't lock in too much because i know the cage (laughs) it's uh, that net thing that's funny but you can't lock in too much because there's so much else going on just all over it's true it's true if you lock in too long you'll go Oh crap! I didn't watch the receivers at all, and they've got all these new guys. Yeah. So yeah, there's. But the cage, the cage is fun. Let's talk about the cage. Let's start with the cage. Uh, So we were uh, watching the quarterbacks a lot on Tuesday, um, and they have this drill where they're throwing into uh, the best way to describe it would be like a like a pitching a a pitching like a fence like a pitch. It's a fence. It's It's a pitching cage. Metal fence. It's got pockets in it that has wheels on it yeah and you're throwing footballs from certain distances trying to fit them into the pockets and i really don't get that the theory behind the three pockets there's a high one like in baseball it'd be high and outside one 
right down the middle and then one low and inside. I'm assuming they're targeting each one at different points. Like, because there's certain passes you want to throw low and away. There's certain passes I, you want to throw high. It doesn't seem like that if you look. At no, it's always it's always straight down the middle. But yeah. Um, so we were watching them do that drill uh, for quite a long time. And it was interesting just because, you know, these are new. You know, two of these guys are completely new to us uh, in Dante Moore and Colin Schley. So just kind of. Gives an opportunity to analyze their motion, the whole thing. Arm um, strength. Arm strength. You know, just kind of the basics and, like, you know, fundamental accuracy. Not necessarily what they're going to do in live reps, but, you know, can they throw it more or less where it's intended to go? Um, and easy, like, obvious takeaway is that Schley has a little bit of a gun. Um, he can he can really rocket the ball. I'm he's not. A, he's a gunslinger. Yeah, a little bit of a sidearm. He's throwing it from a little like, bit of sidearm. A little bit from like a three quarters, and, uh, and pretty damn big. I mean, at least six three. Yeah, look tall. Um, I would say uh, charitably, um, a little bit inaccurate. Um, not not necessarily throwing it exactly where he intends every time. Uh, but it was it was like. So the frame of it is like a, a, a just a metal, like a, a fence. Metal piping, PVC Metal pipe. piping. Yeah. He was popping it off the top of those or the bottom of it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah it, and it was making a really booming sound because he's throwing yeah. rockets. Yeah. Um, uh, Dante Moore um, was, I would say, mostly good. Um, some of the like longer stuff, he was getting really upset with himself because he was leaving it a little bit too short. Um, but... I, with that, you don't really know, like, has he done this that much? Like, Has is he this... thrown to a fence? Yeah, is this something that happens? Um, and judging, we'll get to this, but judging by how he threw later in the practice, I would say it was more of a lack of familiarity with the drill itself than anything, because uh, ball placement, not that guy's issue. Not his problem. Um, yeah, I mean, let's just move on beyond, let's talk about just, let's use that as a launching point, our little fence net. But also, I mean, overall... He, so we have a long history of watching the first day of of a practice for a new quarterback. Beyond, I, I mean, the guy who really just nailed it the first couple of, was Josh Rosen. He he looked fantastic, and in his first real game. But most quarterbacks look pretty bad when they're out there. New ball, getting their hand on it, and it was a really windy day. And overall, on Tuesday, you would say that he. Th- had a great feel ball placement was phenomenal short passes strong enough arm but then a little bit and you could see it throwing into the fence uh, not top end arm strength at least at this point when you say yeah i would agree yeah so there's that with him uh justin martin uh throwing into the fence Pretty strong arm. I mean, looks strong. Uh, not not greatly accurate throwing into there. Uh, we have to talk about Chase Griffin. There was a little, like, uh, assistant, you know, just not even a grad assistant, just one of the guys who's moving the little thing around. He's standing right next to it. And one of Chase Griffin, Griffin's those, he, he missed the whole thing and almost, like, maimed that kid. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, we are not denigrating Chase Griffin. He's he's a fantastic student athlete, 100%. But, I mean, you can really see when you get some guys out there and there's four of them who have, you know, starter caliber arms that Chase Griffin does not. Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And then Garbers, I think he throws well into that, and he's had he's had a lot of uh, experience throwing into that fence net thing. Um, not greatly strong arm, but pretty accurate. And you'd say overall, Dave, wouldn't you say that what we've seen of him is the same accurate 15 or even 20 yards and in and then down the field? Not so, not so much. Yeah, I would think so for me, um, uh, based on what I've personally seen of Ethan Garbers, I would say he's a, um, for UCLA to be a really good team, he's a really, really good number two guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think he's, and nothing I've seen on the field, uh, like an actual game, has led me to conclude that he's like an ideal starter. He's a he's a checkdown guy, um, reasonably accurate, a reasonable arm. Because this is the difference between, not to get too into the weeds, but the difference between people talking about Chase Griffin uh, the last few years and what you've got in Ethan Garbers. Ethan Garbers can start games for you in the Pac-12, and you're not at a deficit with what you can run offensively. Uh, Chase Griffin, yeah, he can win a game. I mean, he's a he's a gamer, the whole thing. But you do, you can't actually run all the same stuff offensively because he can't make all the throws. Garbers more or less can. Um, and I think for UCLA to be really good, though, they need somebody who can challenge teams downfield, um, that is willing to take chances, that is willing to you know try to drop a ball into a pocket downfield, um, and can make. Um, make more out of a play than there was designed. Um, and I think, I don't think that's Ethan Garbers. I, I do think literally based on one practice that it is Dante Moore. Um, n- not only on just the performances that we saw, but, but figuring in that that was again, his first practice, his yeah. first college practice. And he's a high school, he's really a high school senior to think about what he'll be like, you know, that first right before the first week of the first game, how much improvement he'll have. I, I don't think it's unless there's a dramatic change among the others. I, I, I right now we would handicap this as as Dante Moore <laughs> as as the number one guy. I'm hearing buzz in and around the program too that they're all really impressed with Dante Moore. Uh, the coaching staff and and just everyone in the program. Now, will they ever announce that? I would think that they won't. Chip Kelly's conservative about that stuff anyway, and I it it only behooves them not to, right? If you announce it during spring, then some guys might enter the transfer portal, which is something else we have to discuss just really quickly, Dave. The transfer portal window. Yeah. So, okay. Yesterday, um, our, our friendship, um, Charles Kelly, uh, was asked at the end of the media scrum, uh, what his plans were for the transfer portal, because the dates have been moved from May 1st to the 15th to April 15th, the 30th, um, which happened sometime, uh, I don't know, late winter, um, midwinter. Um, and, and, uh, at least in that interview, uh, Chip, uh, appeared to be unaware of the change, um, and seemed to think that the transfer portal window was still from the May 15th, May 1st to the 15th. Um, that's not so good, but they've got now, um, (laughs) 
say say yesterday morning was the first they heard of it. Uh, at least they have uh, a good nine days to uh, come up with a plan, right? And, yeah, and um, I think a lot of the reason, uh, you know, they thought they'd have spring practice out of the way and then the portal would open up and then they'd be able to so concentrate on spring practice, then concentrate on the portal. Um, I think in the long run, it's going to be better this way. The portal will open up. People will want to take visits during spring practice, which is a powerful thing. I think it's a good sales tool for UCLA. Everyone raves about those practices that they're really well organized. They're fast, um, uh, uh, just really well conducted practices. So maybe they don't like it, but I think it might end up being better for them if they have to host some visitors that just when, you know, because people put their, uh, players put their name in the portal, they're not going to wait. Uh, most of them turn this around in two weeks. The, at least the ones that are pretty coveted, you know, what, two weeks decision? So you put your name in April 15th, you're probably deciding by the time UCLA's practice is done, which is what, May 9th? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're going to be forced to have to host some some visitors, which I think will be good. Yeah, I, I think it's actually preferable from like a you know what are you going to see on your official visit standpoint. I mean, if you're a, if you're a, a serious enough minded guy that you want to take your official visits in this, I mean, and these transfers are, but if you're you know taking these official visits, you want to get in a program pretty quick, but you also want to know what you're getting into. Um, what better time to check it out than during spring ball? Yep. So uh, even though it looks like they were a little caught off guard by that, I think in the long run, and this just isn't a spin. I mean, we'll admit that was a little awkward that it looked like Chip Kelly didn't know. Um, but in the long run, I think it's going to help UCLA recruiting. That, yeah. But now they're going to have to, I mean, they've got to be scrambling for a plan a little bit, I think. Oh, yeah. No, because, well, and they also probably speeds up the evaluation speeds up what you need to do during spring in terms of evaluating your current personnel also in terms of like and i don't know how much kelly's program does this but encouraging guys who are not part of the future plans to you know look at their options um because it it, it's one thing for some of these guys to wait until you know may 1st to do that but if a lot of the players were not aware either of the transfer portal dates it might speed up their decision-making too. Cause I mean, if you're a player who's entering spring ball and you're like, I'm going to see if I can, you know, win this starting quarterback job or get myself in the top two or uh, win this starting running back job or whatever, or, you know, impact the depth chart at wide receiver. And you think you have four weeks of practices to do so before the portal opens. Well, now it's two weeks. Um, and so how much time do you give yourself before you say, okay, I'm going to go try somewhere else you said you think it might accelerate their process. I think it there's no question. If there's a player in UCLA's roster that, that is thinking they're going to transfer, they're going to have to fit it in. They're going to have to, if they're an undergrad, not a grad, they're going to have to fit it in between April 15th and April 30th. Yeah. Or they're stuck. So in the, you know what? From the standpoint of depth for UCLA, that might also help them. Uh, someone who's considering possibly transferring yeah, might not might not be able to make that decision by then. Well, like he was planning to wait until the end of spring practice, and maybe he doesn't feel he has enough information, so he won't do it by the thirtieth. So now he's tied in. Yeah, that's really dicey, man. 
that's dicey, but that's the way it is. That's crazy. Yeah, right? that is crazy, crazy. And I think if they're doing, you know, if they're if they're engaging with their responsibilities, they probably have to have like a, you know, if if you know, they're probably scrambling a little bit after discovering this. Maybe um, I wonder if there's some players that knew <laughs> that it was April fifteenth. God, there probably would, had to be. I mean, they're they can they can Google themselves. Right? I don't know, man. They have computers. I will say this: in fairness, um, a simple Google search isn't super clear uh, because you can Google and you'll find things that say May first through fifteenth. And you have to do a little bit of sleuthing to find the update. Now, of course, all the football programs in the NCAA probably got the update at some point. Um, there's probably newsletters and stuff that these people read. Um, but if you're just like a kid Googling it, it can be a little bit hard to discern what's true and what isn't. Um, but I would think, I would imagine it's actually more likely that none of them knew and they were getting it, you know, getting their information from the football program about all that kind of stuff. Like, Hey, so, you know, cause I'm sure there's frank conversations with some of these guys where it's like, Hey, okay. So, you know, come out for spring, see how you do. And if, if things aren't going your way, then you'll have May 1st to make your decision. Um, I was just thinking it might've been really crazy that the UCLA football program assumes it's May 1st and, but a player has done his due diligence decides, April 17th put his name in. Yeah. And they're all, what? You can't do that. Uh, it opens May 1st. Nope. Anyway, I think we've talked enough about that. Yes. Um, but Let's talk more about spring football. So the big thing that kind of stood out to me, um, especially kind of with where we were standing and looking Let's at Let's see the- if it was the same as what I have in my mind that really stood out to me. Uh, so, that receiving core is... Should we say it at the same time? <laughs> One, re- two, three. Receiving rece- core. Receiving core. Um, that group is uh, just... It It pops out um, as maybe the most talented I can remember watching UCLA. Um, Not even just from every standpoint. Talented, physical... I mean... Depth. Big dudes. Yeah. A lot, lot of big dudes. And depth, a lot of talent. Depth. Wow. Of I mean, you're watching it and you're going, wow, good, good. And then... Someone else makes a catch. You go, oh, crap, that's Mokia Atamalala. And you're like, wow, I forgot about him for 10 minutes, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's crazy. Well, and even dudes who are, who are um, you know, uh, Xavier Staples. I mean, you brought this up when we were watching, but um, he's a guy who's been off and on the roster for the last year. Guy's huge. He's might like, not play. I mean, he's he's not even getting into any team rotations at all. But he's a big dude, and I remembered him being a big dude, but it's standing out there next to all of them. He's a big dude, and then just adding Sturdivant and and Kyle Ford, because those those are big dudes. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, I mean, Kyle Ford physically looks like an NFL receiver. Yeah. Um, Jeremiah McClure, uh, who's out there for spring, uh, that's another big, big guy. Probably 6'2", right? Yes. yes. Yeah, sometimes you see these listed heights, and it's like, oh, mm, I don't know about that. He's all of 6'2". I, mean, I had seen uh, Braden Pegan, you know, and I thought he looked big before, and he's listed at 6'4". Standing next to those guys, he, uh, the whole team, he looks he looks a little small. Yeah. No, and, and Kyle Ford looks like an H-back. Um, he's, he's, I mean, he's huge through his upper body uh yeah yeah there's but then the talent too just not the physical and i mean the talent was was clear (laughs) yeah i mean sturdivant 
is uh i mean just i mean he looks like a nfl wide receiver um kyle ford um he's big through his upper body he looked really good but i mean even returning guys cam brown um really came on at the end of last year he's gonna have a good year titus moki out we were really impressed with him last spring if you remember we were writing like oh you know based on what we knew of him out of high school we were thinking oh maybe he plays safety at some point not sure about him flashed some real speed last year um like when you go through this list i mean one of the star recruits last year Jaden marshall it's almost hard to think about where he fits in um into the basic rotation and he's got you know elite speed the whole thing but there's but remember, Cam Brown was really coming on at the end of last season. Yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, dang. Yeah, no, that's it's worth the price of admission to Lot Eight. Yeah. And by the way, everyone who was there came up to us. That was that was nice. Yes. Someone handed you a little gift. Yeah, someone <laughs> handed me a gift. <laughs> uh, a gift that was um, even in my um, you know sometimes. Uh, wild state. I, I wasn't prepared to receive at 10 a.m. Yeah. 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 Um, so being a, a, a diligent um, person, I, I handed it to the college student to my left. Yes. Um, who also appreciated the gift. Yes. And then the, and it's, the whole experience is rounded out by the security guards. If you are standing on that wall looking at practice and you even so much as pick up your cell phone it, it, you you think there's going to be like gun turrets <laughs> that are going to be strafing you because the, uh, excuse me no no phones put that phone down I mean it is they are about to you know handcuff you and take you away it's insane by the way because spring ball <laughs> I mean they're doing base stuff like it is not it, we are not like looking at the secrets of you know uh, of, of Chip Kelly's offense right now. We're we're not looking at anything super crazy. They're they're just running base stuff and getting some workout in. Should we should we get a room in Luskin for one practice? <laughs> just <laughs> just record the whole thing. Um, oh my god! I just said that, and now we're gonna get kicked out of practice. Yeah, we're not sure. gonna do that, you silly. If you're listening, it was it was just a joke. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, but there was, um, I mean, running back was also really interesting. Um, uh, TJ Harden was getting the first string reps. The first day, Keegan Jones was with the receivers, uh, but then apparently yesterday he was with the running backs um, again, so he's probably just doing the cross-training. And you made a point that initially, when you were watching them, um, you thought Colson Yankoff looked the best. Well, his feet. So they're doing the little, um, all the all the traditional running back drills. Um, and just the way he moves through all of them, he's got the quickest, best feet. Um, his body control is really, really, really good. He's a great athlete. Yeah. Um, and so he just stands out because you're seeing the 6'4 guy who's kind of bulky, um, and he just moves really well. Um, TJ Harden looked good, though. Um, I would say Carson Steele looked uh, I would say just eyeballing him. I would say the one thing that stands out to me is probably his balance. That's um, what we both pointed out to each other. I yes. mean, not overly, not greatly big. Like he doesn't jump out as being huge or fast or necessarily really fast or quick, but you can see the balance even without pads when he's just running through and there's not even a thud. You can see his balance. He plays with the same width from his head to his toes. Like it's just, it looks very straight up and down. Like he's not going to get knocked off his feet too easily. Yeah. Um, and, and then Anthony, Anthony Adkins, <laughs> Anthony Adkins is really interesting because in what? the same drills where Colson Yankoff looked like a ballerina, Adkins was like, just basically fumble feet through the entire thing. Like just kicking stuff, tripping the whole thing. I don't think they had like cones and stuff yeah. at army. <laughs> I mean, they dedicate all that, you know, all the equipment, it's going to like, you know, anti-missile. Yeah. Uh, but They're just, not doing cones. And, and you know, we got no him, cones. I mean, he's had what? How how long off of football has he had? Oh, I, I think a year. A year and a half. So, yeah. I mean, there's probably some where he's just shaking some rust off. And I think that proved true, actually, because once you got him on the field, there were a couple plays where he looked a little slow moving through the hole. But then there was this one uh, pass where he caught a swing pass out on the edge and um, was right near the sideline and with real agility um, for a guy who's big. Uh, we've got him listed at 6'1", 245. I think he's, no, he's 6'2". He's 6'2". Six six yeah. <laughs> um, he's a big guy. Um, real agility on the sideline. Got upfield and then had a little burst to him too. Um, yeah. And so, then there was a run between the tackles too after that where he showed a little bit of a burst. So we were at first saying, oh, wow. Oh my, no, those feet, no. But, you know, we got to take in consideration first practice because by the end in team, like he flashed a couple of times. So, so that's, but um, they're, uh, they're losing some guys. Uh, Dacian Morrell is out um, with an ACL and Isaiah Carlson was on the sideline. Yep. Um, and then Keegan Jones got hurt yesterday. Got hurt yesterday, even though he was with the receivers and he went back from what we, it's hard. You know, a lot of this is hard to get. Like even if someone's working with a group in drills, then they plug them into team and they're moving people around. So yeah. it's, 
it's tough, especially on defense. We think that's a 4-2-5, right? And then they plugged in, what, Kane Madrano as a third linebacker, even though, so he was tight on a couple of plays and then he was out as a nickel. So they're, you know, they're obviously, they're going to do some things out of their base defense, but it's a 4-2-5, but trying to define what position for all these guys is tough at this point. Like a lot of them don't even get a lot of reps. So like a guy like Isaiah Newcomb or Croy Stewart, Dave, did you see Croy Stewart? No, I don't think I did. Wait, was was that him for a flash of four seconds? Yeah, we saw him on and the And then sideline. where he lines up, you don't know. Yeah. Right? So we're still trying to get those depth charts down for you. Yeah. And, and those be... guys are key because, I mean, if you had to just look eyeballing, the secondary is the real concern. I mean, there are other concerns, but at the top of the list of personnel concerns, you would say the secondary. Yeah, uh, and they've done some interesting things. Um, one thing we should note up top, uh, Kenny Churchwell, um, kind of the thing that immediately just jumped out was, oh, he's back to playing deep safety. Um, yeah. Which uh, last year he was transitioning to closer and closer to the line of scrimmage with basically every new development. Uh, he started out playing some safety. Then he was playing nickel by the end of spring. Uh, and then throughout much of the fall, when we would watch the linebackers, he was practicing with the linebackers. With the linebackers. Um, now that could have been just utilizing uh, when you have two starting safeties, you want to utilize him on the field someplace else. I guess. Uh, he was playing deep safety in this practice um, and uh, should note, looked really good. Um, Which is interesting, too, because if you thought, would he be a free safety or a strong safety, you'd kind of put him at strong safety. Yeah, but no. Knowing he, what we know about him. I think probably wanting his savvy, you know, he's, he's now in his, what, fourth year? Fifth year? I guess that's probably it. Yeah. yeah uh, but he was playing and he looked really good and really instinctual um, from that spot was getting was getting to the line of scrimmage very fast, almost as if he was playing, you know, pure box safety. Um, but he was he looked really good. Um, you know, it's one practice without pads, but it, he looked really good. Um, and then the other safety spot was interesting. William Nimmo um, was getting the first string reps for the first, I don't know, chunk of practice and then pretty quickly it looked like Kamari Ramsey was taken over um and I would guess before too long he's going to take over that spot at least until uh Jordan Anderson arrives uh over the summer um I really like the look of Ramsey uh he yeah he looks, I know he just has that look yeah, yeah he looks like a player um William Nemo uh you know serviceable scout team guy I don't think he should be counted on to play a whole lot um and then one guy who stood out to me uh was Quint Stevens um, made some plays. He's got some wild man hair, uh, which is great. Um, and then I think on top of that, Alex Johnson playing nickel. former walk on. who was playing a lot of nickel had at least a pick and a half. Let's say. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, looked, you know, he's supposed to be one of the best athletes on the team and it's clear. He's been in the system a long time. Yes. He, 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 he's not hesitating. He knows what he's doing now. If you watched him last season, you would have said, wow, they need to upgrade there. But maybe he's possible. What year is uh, he's super senior? Yeah, so fifth last year. year. Last year. It might be a sixth. He might have redshirted. Um you're thinking that with that experience, maybe he could be a list give you some playable minutes, right? 
playable snaps, Tracy. Get out of the basketball yeah, lingo. That too. Oh, that's true. I mean, I'm I'm talking about after tip off. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. After, and then, after the jump and ball. then, like you said, Jordan Anderson. I, I, I'm hoping they're they're not doing what they did with Garrett De, De Giorgio, working him at left tackle and then flipping him to right tackle and fall. And that they've got Kenny Churchwell where they think he's going to play and fall. Yeah, right? no, I hope it's a Mo Osling thing where they've just settled. Hey, you're going to get this position and just build in this position because if you remember, exactly. Osling was kind of in the same boat where he was just moving between a lot of different positions until his final year. It would have been great if Mo. And I know you need you need to use guys. It would have been great if Osling, you know, just for his own benefit, had very early on, once again, we thought, oh, Mo Osling's a safety. They moved him to cornerback for a while because they, you know, they're in love with bigger cornerbacks, but he was, we thought he was always a safety. And if he had had, he never, did he play safety originally? I think he did, then he moved to corner. But if he had been at safety the entire time, how much better he might have been in his last season. No doubt. Yeah. And he, and he was really good last year. Um, so that's the safety and nickel group. And then the one thing that stood out from cornerback, I'm going to hold evaluations of all these guys, but the one thing that stood out was Jalen Davies. Um, I think taking literally every first string rep over John Humphrey, which if you were watching last year, kind of a no brainer, uh, based on actual play on the field. Um, Davies just, you know, he showed some savvy um, that Humphrey just kind of still has not gotten. Um, and so Humphrey's got a world of uh, athletic talent. He's got the body. He's got the whole thing, but just hasn't quite put it together on the field. Um, so got to be a high priority. Oh, sorry, Dave. Got to yeah. be a high priority transfer portal. Yeah. Again, number one priority is a lockdown cornerback. They need a really good cornerback. And then from what I've heard, um, we haven't talked about it because it is kind of, it's just a mishmash right now and it's hard to really sort it out. The offensive line, I would say expect UCLA to be going into the transfer portal um, for another offensive lineman, probably an interior offensive lineman. Yeah, um, they need another guard. And I think in some NIL money is going to be key in all this, probably. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Kadera Kunta too. Well, I mean that's the guy who's from Old Dominion, the left tackle, who to me looks exceptional. Um, he's committed to UCLA. I mean, he's projected to plug in at left tackle. He's getting hit by some other programs right now too. So, uh, from what I've heard um, from a source close to him, he's tight end. He's locked into UCLA, but. Gonna have to ride that one out too until he enrolls in summer. Yeah, um, and then uh, yeah, but Spencer Holstage is in this spring at left guard. Um, looks good. Looks from good. what we saw. Uh, right guard is the question mark. Uh, Siale Tapaki is out still with an injury, um, and frankly, I would say a guy who's been injured that much, it's hard to say. Oh yeah, you can just plug him in at right guard come fall, uh, and. Without him, I mean, Josh Carlin, I don't think is a um, is somebody you can necessarily count on to plug and play. Um, nope. Didn't see that much of Caleb Walker, so I'm going to hold on evaluating he, him. He stood on the sideline or yeah. held a pad for most of the first practice. Yeah. So, 
they definitely need some more help there. Um, well, we're going to watch uh, Noah Pugliali'i and Sam Yoon pretty closely over the next couple of weeks to see what, if anything, they can provide this year. We know they like Sam Yoon. Noah Pugliali'i was um, – they liked him coming out of high school and then that first year. Watching him last spring, I, I still thought he was a, a ways away, um, and that turned out to be true during the season, but maybe he's – made some strides uh, in the offseason. But, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a deficit, it's probably kind of weirdly uh, on the interior right now. You can uh, – I mean, it's only two practices, but you – it's not like the coaches haven't – I know they can't watch workouts, but they, they know these guys. They watched them all last season in practice. Then in the offseason, they, they're getting reports. I, I mean, it's not like – they're surprised by what they, by what they see in the first couple of practices. So you can get like, like what you said, J. Michael Sturdivant started with the twos. And then by the end of the first practice, he was taking some reps with the ones. I mean, strong, you know, uh, Kyle Ford was strong indication. These guys are players and they're going to, you know, possibly be starters, if not very high in the rotation. You didn't get that feeling from Yoon or Pugliali. Right, no. that wow, we've really got some offseason buzz about him. Let's let's plug him over to right guard and and see what he could. Didn't get that feeling at all. Now maybe they develop and they blow up. Um, and the the other thing we haven't talked about, well, well you touched on it, is Siali Tapaki would be a natural guy to plug in to that right guard. But wow, he has now been injured. Was it the second game of the season? Yeah, that's a long time. So like the second week of September. And we did not – did you see him at pra- – oh, we didn't see him at practice. I didn't right? see him. Yeah, that's a little worrisome. Yeah. Um, and that's – when you get a guy who's, um, you know, just been unlucky with injuries, it's just – it's very hard to count on them because those things take a toll, especially on the offensive line. Um, so so then defensive line, also hard to nail down. <laughs> well, Gary Smith is still out. Uh, Gary Smith is still out. He was – he was – Good sign was that he was in drills. I watched him in some drills, just not in team. Um, it was Jay Toia, and we saw him with uh, David Magna. Yeah, David Magna, and uh, uh, that's that's not great. I'm just gonna and say then, that. And then, um, Keanu Williams what, was in the two deep, right? But from what Mike saw yesterday, it was Sidaveni Havili Kafusi who was running with the ones. And we, you know, we don't feel good about talking. These are kids who are, you know, working hard, playing their heart out. But just like he and Magna, that's not that's not going to work. <laughs> well, I mean, just talk about it generally from an experience standpoint. You've got Jay Toia and Gary Smith, who I think everyone should be pretty comfortable with being a starting two at uh, starting tandem at defensive tackle. Now, Gary Smith's had some injury issues, which going back to the Siali Tapaki discussion. He's been hurt a lot just in his one year at UCLA. He lost most of last spring. He was hurt, I think, twice last season. Um, and that second injury has carried over now to spring. Um, and he's limited at least to start out spring. So that's that's a concern. Um, then you have Keanu Williams, who didn't play a ton at Oregon. Um, he's not coming in with a ton of experience. Obviously, he's got a big body. And uh, we're we're thinking he could be pretty good, but might not be this year. Uh, you've got Dovid Magna and Sitaveni Havili Kafusi, who we both, you know, 
okay, nice to have in your depth is probably the charitable way I would describe it. Then you've got Devin Apui. How are we doing that? You got that one yet? Uh, Ayupiu. There we go. Uh, who's, I would still say, very undersized uh, for the position. You've got Quentin Somerville, who's also still pretty undersized for the position. And uh, didn't notice them at all in team. I mean, we're distracted. Third, There's a lot third, to watch. but we, Third yeah. string for Ayupiu, um, and I didn't notice Somerville at all. Um, and then it's freshmen. So, like, think about what I just described to you, guys. Uh, that is not a good depth chart for a defensive tackle. Um, a lot of things would have to develop positively for that depth chart to feel like you're comfortable with a four-man rotation. Yeah, that in uh, just in, in the interior, Gary Smith uh, uh, has been injured three times since he's been at UCLA, pretty much. Um, he's the starter with Jay Toia. And then after that, I, I mean, Keanu Williams looked, I saw him in high school at camps. He looked big. I mean, he looked, he did look 300 pounds. Uh, he passed the eyeball test. We've got to watch him. I, I think just out of necessity. And, and they had already plugged him into the twos. Yeah. So he's there regardless of if we can come away from spring thinking he's good, but it's those three. And then after that. Unknowns are questionable. Unknowns are are very questionable knowns. I mean, last year they play Magna and Havili Kafusi. I mean, they got a decent amount of backup snaps. Wouldn't you say? Uh, Yes. They got a large amount of backup snaps. And you'd like to kind of not have that happen. Avoid that. Yeah. Um, edge is a different story. You know, I mean, I, I think you can, you can level some criticisms at the Murphys for certain things. Um, but they're, they're decent enough. They um, were doing the same thing in that first know, practice. And I'm done writing about it because yeah, last yeah. year we wrote all about it and, uh, didn't, they were in the out. backfield all the time. Yeah. Just on Tuesday, uh, the, the practice, uh, dominance, um, Leatu Latu is going to be really good. Um, you know, Carl Jones is going to do his Carl Jones things. That's a decent enough four-man rotation at at the end. We got to look at Jake Heimlicker. We we did not even notice him, right? Yeah, I didn't notice him at all. Number fifty-one. We got it. We got to check him out. Yeah, I I don't think he was in the two deep. Yeah, I don't think he was. No, it was it was Latu Jones Murphy and Murphy. Yeah. Um. That sounds like a. It sounds like a law firm. Yeah, a law firm. Uh, and then what have we not touched on linebacker? So the big uh, thing there, linebacker and tight and tight end. Big thing at linebacker, Shea Bryant Struther is uh, with John John Vaughn's out of out for spring. Uh, he's the first string, uh, second interior linebacker. I'm not going to call them Will or Strong because who the hell knows. Um, but uh, Shea Bryant Struther is playing alongside Darius Muasau. Um, and I would say if you're looking for signs of life, there was a little bit from him um you know he's i think adjusting to that position was very very difficult for him last year you know stepping back from uh, the line of scrimmage because he started out playing the edge rush position uh took him a little bit but he looked a little bit more instinctual he broke up a pass um looked looked actually more natural in coverage than i was expecting him to be um so that was good and then the two the the twos were pretty consistently Jalen Woods and Oluwafemi Oladejo. Um, yeah, he just goes by Femi. That's what I've learned, and it makes it a lot easier on us. Yeah, but us. you're the one who also pronounced his last name Oladejo. 
I, I, that pissed you off so much. I mean, there's a lot of names here, Dave. I get it. I get it. Um, but those two were pretty consistently with the twos. Um, I would say Oladejo looked better than I was expecting, honestly, in his time. Um, he did. Uh, plugged immediately in as second string and looked pretty instinctual doing it. Like he was not, he was not swimming. Yeah. So that was a, that was a good sign. Jalen Woods too. I mean, we've got him listed at six foot two fifteen. I think he's bigger than two fifteen. I think he's bigger. Than I had six a double take that that was him. Yeah. Because he looked big. Um, and they've liked him. They've liked him since last year. Like they, they, I don't think they ever put a scout Jersey on him. The, the, the one thing Interesting would be Kane Madrano. Uh, I mean, he's in his redshirt senior year. He's never really had the light turn on. And he was at l- mostly with the threes, don't you think? Yeah, so when they went with their base, whatever, I don't know if you would even call the 4-3 their base. It's actually a package because their base is clearly still a nickel. Um, but when they went with the 4-3, he did get a couple of straps snaps with the first string. And straps. Yeah, uh, but that's uh, – I, I don't even know how often they're going to run with three linebackers, but whatever that position is, whether you want to call that the Will or the Sam, uh, he was playing a little bit of that, which was borderline nickel. Um, and then, well, he was on one rep snap. He was inside, lined up just the three traditional kind of linebackers. Then next he floated out as nickel yeah. to pick up the slot receiver. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's you know adjusting to a uh, offensive scheme like that whole thing. But um, he's not he's not in the what I would say the traditional two deep right now. And then and, interesting Trey Edwards. Yeah, he needs to lose some pounds. I thought so too. Um, but they had him with the threes. Yeah. When you got a lot of competition for the, for the threes here, um, and then the you know the big one of the biggest questions too is Ali Kaho and we did not see him he was on the sideline wasn't he or did we not see him god there's so many numbers and people we've got a this is tough but um we did not see him so that's that's a big question mark we've that's we've got a an alert uh, a Kaho alert for spring practice and then finally uh tight end um the not I, I wouldn't take a whole lot away from it right now. Hudson Habermill is getting the first string reps, and Maliki Mataveo is uh, with the twos. Carson, Carson Ryan, Ryan we saw for yeah, ten he, seconds. He went back he, inside as soon yeah. as uh, warmups were over, um, and we saw a little bit of Jack Peterson and the uh, three-headed walk-on six-five monster. Um, I, Hudson Habermill looks the same. Uh, Maliki Mataveo looked pretty good. That's about all I can take away from it at this point. Yeah. But there's Sam Suma. Yeah, there's a ton of guys who are 6'6", 250. You know yeah. them all. They're all their names. Yeah, it's just we, sh- we should come up with like an amalgamation of their names. We probably should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, Peterson uh, caught a couple balls, looked pretty good. I mean, he's still got that number. He's 28, right? Yeah, because he's a running back, Tracy. <sighs> because he's an H-back. But he's doing everything a, he's doing everything a tight end does yeah so, we're not we're not playing this game chip we're not doing it i don't know what that is i don't know if you're doing that just because you want those guys to feel they have a better chance of getting on the field as an h-back 
that they're not the third and fourth string tight end, but they're the first and second string H back and then use them as a tight end. <laughs> You're doing it because it's fun. It's what you live for. I guess. I guess. I guess. All right. So well, there, we ran down the whole thing after just two practices without really being, I mean, not in pads. That's what they pay us the big bucks for. Tracy. We're really looking forward to the one-on-one OLDLs. Those are going to be fun. Those will hopefully start this weekend and maybe starting next week. Yeah, I would, uh, if everyone's, you know, trying to keep an eye out, I would say probably full pads will be tomorrow. No, uh, Chip said it. He said full pads on Saturday. No, oh, well, yeah. I, isn't it better when I sound like I'm, you know, giving the inside info if they didn't watch the interview? Um, yeah, but it's misleading. So what's wrong with misleading? Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've heard tell, uh, according to sources. <laughs> We've got inside scoop uh, here. According to sources, uh, full pads tomorrow. Uh, okay, so let's uh, shift gears over to basketball, the hard court, uh, the round ball, uh, the the The, the tip-off game. The tip-off game. Uh, so UCLA, so let's just, some news. Um, Jaime Jaquez, uh <laughs> unexpectedly. Broke our hearts yesterday, uh, announcing. You know, you know what's draft. amazing? There are some national writers who are writing things like UCLA is waiting on the decisions of. <laughs> of <laughs> I mean, do I think wow. Mick Cronin was hoping that Jaime Hawkins would decide? Uh, you know what? I just want to come back to UCLA for another year. Sure, that was pretty funny in the one post game. Yeah, it was in Sacramento. Yeah. Why don't you just come back? <laughs> Uh, but foregone conclusion, uh, I may return for his senior year and is leaving after the traditional four years in Westwood. Uh, best four-year senior UCLA's had since at least Darren Collison, uh, probably even before that. Um, super awesome. Hope he uh, does extremely well in the NBA. I'm sure he'll have a long career because uh, he's um, you know one of those guys who contributes in basically every way. How many years did Norman Powell go? Uh... Did he end up four? doing four? He might have. I think he did. Yeah, but I, I love Norman. Yeah. But definitely. someone made the point when you love to see Norman Powell coached by Mick Cronin. Norman Powell coached by Mick Cronin would have been a two time All American. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Just in every element of it tough, plays his ass off, a great defender, athletic as hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a do-over. I'd like. Yeah, somehow. well, I mean, you're just—he was—he he had uh, Latter-day Howland, which was bad, and then you had Alford, uh, who wanted to play his stupid son over him. Oh, sorry, was that oh, a little dang. too much vitriol? Yeah, uh, that was a lot of vitriol. Who wanted to play his son, Bryce? UCLA uh, all-time all UCLA's all-time minutes leader, Bryce Alford, uh, over uh, Norman Powell. Um, you know, stealing minutes from a uh, future NBA star uh, to play um, his son. And, uh, yeah, he was kind of dealt a really tough hand. Way worse of a hand than, like, say, Earl Watson was dealt. You know, like, everyone talks about, oh, what would Earl Watson have looked like under Ben Howland or, you know, Mick Cronin. It's like, yeah, it would have been a little bit better. Norman Powell would have played... Uh, so what did what did he do with Jaime that first year? Jaime by the end of the so first eight games he doesn't start. By the end of the year he was averaging twenty seven minutes a game. Norman averaged 
didn't it took until his fourth year before he averaged over 25 minutes a game that's that's just that's just a, a tragic misuse of totally so yeah. uh if if norman powell played for uh mccronan he might not have been at ucla for four years that's uh, true but if he did it would have been a career just like jaime's um where he averages well over 30 minutes a game you know wins pac-12 player of the year uh, and you know, a ton of accolades probably wins a couple of real things in the process. Because it's clear he's kind of talented. Yeah, clear, clear that guy has some ability. If you haven't watched him in the NBA, he, just take take an afternoon or a night and my, just my, my and dude can shoot him. now too. He can shoot now too. Yeah, no, it's 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 unacceptable. I don't like to think about the Norman Powell era because it's one thing to say, oh, Zach Levine, he was going to be gone after a year anyway. I don't know how true that is, but okay, fine. Norman Powell was there the whole time. How Some are you of the best that dunks. Guy? Some of the best dunks. Oh god. By a UCLA player too. Do you know what he's a do you know what his three point percentage is right now for his career in the NBA? I don't want to know. Thirty nine percent. Holy crap. From NBA distance. He's That's shot two feet he's deeper, shot, right? He's shot over forty percent. One, two, three, four, five full seasons in the NBA. How is that? That you know what that is, he wasn't a natural shooter. We saw him. That's just the dude has worked his ass off. Yeah, yeah. That's so many hours in a gym. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say this: he was there by his third year. If somebody had actually cared to like work with him on it, uh, he was shooting seventy eight percent from the free throw line by his third year. And here's the thing too: next time he's at Poly Pavilion because he supports the program, he really does. Next time he's there, damn it. Y'all need to stand up and give him a standing ovation because it. there are other guys who are seemingly more recognizable that get a bigger hand than they turn on Norman Powell and there's almost like a little stunned moment where people don't first rec- – what the hell is that? Yeah. Yeah. Norman rocks. Yeah. Um, and stayed. It was, it was you know Powell what? report online. He was, th- he was thinking about uh, leaving after his first year because it sucked so bad. It was not fun. It was yeah. uh, that 11-12 UCLA team where it was uh, freshman year and, and he basically didn't play because Howland uh, was uh, body snatched. Um, he stuck around. Stuck around through a coaching change. Stuck around through... Should have uh, gone on the transfer portal. Stuck around through yeah. Bryce Alford playing over him uh, and played 35 minutes a game as a senior. He's All-time Bruin. Great. Okay. Anyway, um, side note. Uh, <laughs> so off season, it's all about roster management. Roster management. Wow. Song. It is such. It's a go, Dave. Go. It's a new era here, guys. I mean, right now, in past this time of year, coaches are going. Uh, okay. I got one guy who might go in the draft. Um, I've got some evaluations periods coming up i'm gonna go i'm gonna go chill and you know cabo san lucas for a week <laughs> yeah no <laughs> with the transfer portal and nil you can safely say that mick cronin is extremely busy at the moment yes um there's a lot going on uh and we've kind of told you so um uh, and i mean the word is fluid it is from when I wrote, it was fluid yesterday. It's been fluid until this morning, Friday um, morning. Uh, uh, we're, I'm hearing that it's Campbell. Tiger Campbell is looking 
the most likely place for him will be going overseas, not in the transfer portal. Um, there's that. Uh, I'm hearing that now all of this is still uncertain. This is just you guys want the roller coaster ride, and this is literally changing by the day on so many of these issues. Jalen Clark, looking more likely that he returns now. Um, so just, of course, you want Jalen Clark to return. I mean, he was a great Bruin, but he also takes up, there, that's a scholarship, and he might not come back to be able to play until January or February. And you're holding, you, you have to have that scholarship for him. While UCLA is, at this point right now in time, I would say there is going to be a scholarship crunch. Things are looking very good with USC transfer wing, Reese Dixon Waters. Um, I would say there might be some kind of movement on that front in the next couple of days. Um, can I? Can we side note about Reese Dixon Waters for just a second? Because I've read a lot of threads on the board, and sure. I think it's worth discussing. Sure. Uh, a lot of so people are like, oh, who, why do you want this guy who shoots under 30% from three, um, who only started eight games this past year for USC? Why is anyone plugging him in as a potential starter for UCLA next year? And I just want to remind everyone – um, USC, it's this weird situation where they don't actually have a basketball coach and they haven't for several years, um, maybe forever. I can't remember. Um, but they don't have a guy who's actually like teaching things like shot selection or, you know, what's a good shot for you versus a good shot for this other guy. Um, how do you play, you know, defense, um, those sorts of things, those things that you get from coaching. USC, I mean, to their credit, they've won a lot of games for not actually having a head coach. Um, but Reese Dixon Waters, um, as a natural ability thing, uh, he, he's 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 a really really good player, a uh, really good athlete. And uh, if you plug him into a situation where he's going to be coached on things like, hey, don't take that three, instead spot up for this three, uh, you're going to see all of his percentages rise. Or just take or just go off the dribble or post up because if you remember that game against UCLA, there was no Bruin who could defend the dude. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not going to be taking uh, three bad threes a game like he was at USC. So yeah. a lot of his efficiencies will go up because that's what happens in UCLA's program. I, I, it's not a hard prediction that he would really, really flourish at UCLA under McCronin. Yeah. Not, not a big, not a big leap of faith there. So, anyway. um, so anyway, talked about another transfer. Can't reveal the identity at this point. I would say UCLA is looking very good. Is doing very well. You know, our boy Greg Biggins used to say, anytime I said UCLA is doing very well, that doing very well meant that there was a commitment. I'm not saying that now, but UCLA is doing well. <laughs> With the other transfer. Quite well. Let's say quite well. Um, so there's that. Um, oh, I, I guess I have to touch on that. Uh, it's still feeling like a Dembona will return. Don't be surprised if he puts his name in the draft just to get feedback from the So he can go out and talk to all of them legally and they say, this is what you need to work on when you come back from your shoulder surgery and you play one more year at UCLA. I mean, uh, I don't think anyone's going to tell him we guarantee you a first-round pick. So 
that will probably happen. Amari Bailey still still uncertain at this point um, on what he's going to do. The feeling still is that he's going to return, but once he puts his name in the draft, he tests the waters. Uh, you know, anything could happen. He could go to the combine, look great. He could do some individual workouts, look great, get guaranteed a first round or, you know, a, a good second round. I, who knows? But at least we know that there are some people make around in his circle that can make fairly good decisions. But that could go either way, I think, at this point. Um, and then we have the three international players. The one whose identity is is known is Alain Fiblu. 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 I knew you'd want to do that too. Uh, first, I said it had a few weeks ago looking very good for UCLA. That it looked you like you know UCLA whose had... name itself is kind of fluid. Fiblu. Fiblu. It means fluid in yeah. French. Um. UCLA was doing well. I thought I had reported at that point UCLA was leading Gonzaga and the G League. And then the G League was making a comeback because there were a lot of people that were pushing him towards the G League. Now I'd say in the last two days, UCLA is probably making a pretty strong push and, and successfully at this point. Again, this could change tomorrow. And I'm not making this up just to create a horse race. This is literally behind the curtain of what's happening. And as much of the updates I'm giving you, which are pretty amazing, they're daily, right? No other place is giving you daily updates on what's happening. I could probably, if I were really the fly on the wall, I could probably, it's probably changing more, what, every two, three hours? Probably. More likely. So, um. UCLA's doing better with him. I mean, they're they're really, I would say right now, if I had to guess, I'd say he's going to be a Bruin. Now that, again, could change. Tracy um, Pearson guarantees uh, Alonzo <laughs> Blue will be in. You know that's going to be written on the form. Thanks, yeah. Dave. Um, there is the one, there are two more international players um, I've discussed that I haven't identified. I said one would be have the most upside of any player that had come to UCLA under McCronin, and I completely stand by that. I've been watching a lot of full games. None of that highlight crap. Anyone can Dave, Dave could look like Norman Powell in highlights. Oh, I did. I mean, facially, body-wise, there's we could so make much, you look like Norman There's Powell. so much of me that's like Norman Powell. <laughs> watching full games of all of these guys. All of these guys we're talking about. Um, and this guy is a difference maker. He will, he will change. Every team will, uh, will struggle to match up with UCLA, given the other guys who you would project to be on the roster. Um, uh, hearing it looks good for him. Again, it all, it all could change. But right at this very moment in time, looks good for him. Uh, the third international player... Um, would also be a, a, a tough matchup. Might not happen, might not know more with him. Well, might not. I know we won't know more with him probably until summer. So now you're saying, where do they get all these scholarships, Tracy? Um, really good question, especially if I'm saying Clark is coming back. Uh, 
something is going to have to happen or or shake loose here. Amari Bailey, it might work out with that that other international player that he might not know until summer because Amari Bailey might not make his decision until what May or even June first. Yeah, sounds sounds familiar. Um, Another lefty did that, right? And then Clark could also, uh, you know, still make a decision. So there's there's that. Um, but I'd have to say there could be a situation where someone that UCLA needs a scholarship and someone might have to leave. Now that could happen just naturally that, uh, one of the current players sees these commitments as they might happen and say, Oh, what, what, what the hell? I, I'm not, uh, I'm the playing time does not look good for me and naturally decide that they're leaving. Um, I could see that as maybe a likelihood too. Um, so that's kind of as much as I can say at this moment. That's about right. Don't you think Dave? It's gorgeous. Thank you. It's a gorgeous update. Um, yeah. And I think it's not going to be, even if you have to wait, it's not going to be a situation that's actually altogether that similar with last year because last year, um, it was a question of whether they would have enough numbers um, because of all the um, waiting around and seeing. At this point, I mean, reading between the lines of what Tracy's saying, you out there, um, it's more going to be a question of, okay, how many guys might have to leave to fit the situation? Um, so it's a little bit different. Last year, what did they end up with for the year? 11 scholarship players? Yes. Yeah, so... This year, I mean, I, I'm going to be a little bit surprised if it's not the full 13. Um, and full 13 scholarship guys, because I think Stong got a scholarship last year. So it'll be, uh, it's going to be an interesting summer. It's going to be an interesting uh, thing to follow. And uh, should it, it, it's going to be fun because it's going to happen over a period of time. Like, it's not all going to happen at once. Going to have some interesting stuff probably this month. Have some interesting stuff towards the end of the NBA deadline. And then maybe some interesting stuff over the summer if there are additional, uh, you know, if there's additional roster settling that needs to happen. And to keep in mind too, um, if if a player were to decide to transfer out, um, if you are not a graduate, if you are an undergraduate, you have to. The window will close May 11th. Yeah. So. That would happen by then. We are at April 7th. So, you know, that would probably happen fairly soon. Um, I, I would bet Mick Cronin is very cognizant of that. Yeah. He, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to, you know, hurt his current players or, you know, he wants to do everything he can for them. Um, but that is a lot of activity and I'll keep, I'll keep, Giving you updates. Um, I wish I were making this up. It'd be a lot easier. Um, but this is literally how this works. And it gives you a sense of... So think about it from Mick Cronin's standpoint of how he's dealing with the roller coaster ride. Each day he gets he wakes up and it's all it's probably all different with every one of these guys. Everything's changed. And then there's the NIL thing. You know, the, the men of Westwood is raising money to help um, 
uh, with the NIL funding, which attracts these recruits. And I mean, there's a lot going on for, for Mick Cronin and a lot of different factors in all this. And then, like I said, I think I wrote, what are we in two weeks? Um, he's on the road at, during, uh, evaluation periods as, as will I be, I'm going to council bluff, Iowa. It's actually Omaha, Nebraska. I'm staying at a hotel where for probably two square miles, the only ho- uh, restaurant is Hooters. Oh, no, I, I'm sorry. There are casinos. So there are... Has anyone been to Omaha, Nebraska? If you have or Council Bluff or anything that's within a good Uber ride, if, there are, if you have restaurant or bar suggestions really would have I know there's a place called the old market in that's close to downtown Omaha and then the next weekend Glendale Arizona has anyone ever been there because I've been there a bunch and that it's not exactly a fantastic place so I'm hearing a lot of hating from you it's not hate it's not hate uh, it's actually it's actually fun I mean the, the most enjoyable part of this job actually is going out. And if I didn't have to do interviews and I didn't have to write it, just watching high school players, that's fun. It's fun evaluating. It's fun doing that. I, I've had a lot of fun watching these full game tapes over the last two days. So, yeah. Um, but a lot of exciting things happening in UCLA basketball recruiting. One thing, too, I think this is – this is kind of showing in this offseason. Remember, everyone was worried that UCLA had so many scholarships open. In the transfer portal era and the international prospect era for UCLA because of the assistant coach, Ivo Simovich, I think it's, it, it's obviously a lot smarter to have a few open. Last year, remember, they, had, they, were, wait, they were full. And the year before, they had to wait to open, have they they had miles Johnson and that was full up. Then they were waiting to see if Jules Bernard would leave. And they had that scholarship. It's this off season is a lot easier. You look at even with all this uncertainty of who's leaving and who they're going to get, they know they need wings. So they don't need to wait to see if Jalen Clark or Tiger Campbell or anyone decides to transfer or leave or Amari, what's Amari Bailey going to do? Um, they know they need wings so they can go out and get them. It's a, it's funny. You think you feel more secure if you have a lot, uh, all the scholarships taken up in the off season, but it's actually less secure. Yeah. Which is curious, but interesting. Okay. There we go. All right. Well, for Tracy Pearson, I'm David That's Woods. That's me. Report Online. We'll talk to you again next time. See y'all later. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.